All right, let's do it a third time. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to Spooky Screen, where we'll be discussing the new hit HBO TV show, The Last of Us. This week, we're covering episode six, titled Ken. Each week, we do a new episode review, helping you decide whether you should be watching this show or not. With me are my hosts for tonight's discussion, Nick, Noah, Johnny, and David. Public service announcement, there will be spoilers in this episode. We'll be breaking down episode six in all sorts of spoilery detail. So let's get right into it, guys. Episode six, Ken, The Last of Us. Did we like this episode? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Johnny, don't hold us in anticipation. All right, there you go. So everyone liked this episode. Episode six. This is a six-episode hot streak. Johnny... Why don't you start us off? What did, what did you like specifically about episode six? What I liked most about this episode, which I wasn't expecting after the last one, was that the pacing was um, much more in alignment with moving the plot along than I thought it was going to be. So the whole series, and obviously spoiler alerts are here, but the whole series is talking about getting to Wyoming to find Joel's brother. And that will be the key to getting Ellie to the Fireflies. Spend the whole talk, Joel's whole purpose with Tess, everything, and they just do it. I mean, in the first twenty minutes, and like they're they're in Wyoming, they skip out all the, the the you know filler stuff that a normal TV series would put in a in a movie or um uh, series, and they show up. But there's a little fun at the beginning, and then they're there, and they move the plot along so much better that way. And they focus on the characters, and they focus on the quality of their relationships rather than this kind of expectation of what's going to happen. Uh, and I thought that was a good investment and, um, and they, you know, they leave you on a, on a pretty great cliffhanger and um, you know, there's some Easter eggs along the way. So it's all, all around really good. Yeah. It's a cl- it was, a, it felt like a classic episode, good pacing, very good a couple Easter eggs. And by Easter eggs, do you mean to the video game or just like, like, I, I meant more like, I meant more like, um, it's probably not appropriate term, but I meant more like special little moments that you could enjoy and like take away from it. You know, like they, it, it wasn't one note. There was a lot going on. There was a lot going on and you could um, take a lot away from this episode. It, it dealt with a lot of different concepts and issues. I think I know, like you could tell there was a bunch of video game, literal Easter eggs in here. Um, but I meant more like they invested time in special moments throughout the episode. Yeah. So, speaking of video games, let's go to our resident gamer, uh, Nick. Give us your thoughts about episode six. Um, I thought this episode, I always say every episode's fantastic, and I feel like it's really cheap <laughs> because, like, every episode has been fantastic. But uh, this episode was amazing. Um, it finally gave us what we wanted. We were really looking for an episode where we would explore Joel and Ellie's relationship. Um, and as the resident shill of somebody who likes to see how well the video game can be shown through, I want everything to be like the game. I've really hit a point now where I think the show is doing better than the game. And that's making me love the show all the more. That's because, a big deal. Yeah. And I was the kind of person who was like, unless this show is 90% game and 10% creatively different, then I don't know if I'm going to like it. And I was going. I was really afraid going in to see what the changes were going to be, but just this episode alone, how deep they explore the uh, the characters of Ellie and Joel compared to the video game, uh, the ending, the emotional impact, the emotional weight that these char- characters carried throughout the entire episode was just so fantastic, so well done, 
and it really shines through all the more because these are real people playing real roles of real lives as opposed to you playing it yourself. It's hard to explain that exact difference, but just being able to see Bella Ramsey and Pedro Pascal uh, portray these characters the way they do just makes it so much, it, it makes it so much more emotionally heavy and so much more satisfying and gratifying as you watch the episode and get to the end of every episode. So to like summarize it all up into just like one or two sentences, number one, it has exceeded the game in some ways for you as a yes, hardcore gamer, absolutely. which is a big thing, right? And then number two, again, it kind of goes back to the character work that the episode has done. That's what you're talking about here, right? Is like absolutely the yeah, character work was. They deserve give them all the Emmys. Just give it, give them all the Emmys. Give them all to Craig Mazin, Bella, Pedro, Tommy, Nick, uh, Gabriel, Gabriel, Gabriel Luna, I think his name is. Yeah, yeah. You say they deserve satis- it all. I think he said satisfying and gratifying. It's a lot. Uh, Dave, give us your thoughts. Episode six. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I really like this episode. Like uh, Johnny, I really like that they tied up this Tommy arc and they didn't drag it out. And it wasn't like season finale. Oh my God, we finally found Tommy. I really liked, and I liked what that brought to the dynamic of like Joel's character. And I really like how they explored the dichotomy and the relationship between uh, Joel and Ellie this episode and how that more of the role shift or power dynamic shifting. Um, I just thought it was, it was, it was a good episode. Like Johnny was saying to move the plot along, Mm. like, and develop the characters for the rest of the season. What few episodes we have left. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It sets, it's kind of actually doing some critical legwork for the end game, I think. Right. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, Dave. Noah, what about you, man? Yeah. So, I loved this episode and there's a lot of reasons I love this episode. First of all, it was the first time I got to watch last of us with a crowd with a bunch of people. And most of those people never played the game. So having played the game, my heart was being the entire time, right? Because us gamers knew it was kind of what was going to happen at the end. So one, it was an incredible watch experience, and I know I'm not. I'm 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 usually for the bingers, you know, for consuming TV as a binge watcher. But this is the first time I really felt that week to week because just watching their faces when the music plays and it cuts to black, that was so sweet. That was so weekly sweet. weekly model supremacy. Yeah, that was the one time. That was the one time I was like, oh yeah, I like this. Um, in Netflix, no, I'm just kidding. Other reasons why I love this episode. I, it raised the emotional stakes so much, right? We got to see Joel back with his brother. And in a way, yes, it was brutal to watch that his brother kind of forgot about him. But there was a lot of healing that happened in Joel, which was really cool. And it really raised, like, it just made you care for Joel so much more. You got to kind of see where he was coming from. And he kind of wrestled with what happened in his past and he kind of got to move on from that a little bit and then it also did another thing a porn thing that i that i think stuck out to me was that it kind of dangled a happy ending for these characters right it was like this little carrot like there is something for them to root for there's something for them to go back to right it's not just i gotta get Ellie to the end of the world so she can save it. And it's just kind of like this unknown mission, right? There is a tangible, happy ending for them. I think that's important for the viewers to know. 
I think it raises the stakes even more. I agree with you. And I think, you know, for me as well, it's this episode was also probably my favorite of the entire season and it's going to be hard to beat. It's not a action set piece episode. It's not, um, it's not a big spectacle episode. It was a character driven episode. And a lot of people uh, had, had touched upon the fact that this did a lot of legwork in terms of developing and, you know, basically exposing the dynamics of the relationships between Tommy and Joel, Joel and Ellie and, and um, others as well. And I think that it was just incredible to just kind of see these characters come to life in a way that the video game, and I love the video game, but the video game couldn't. And, and, and it's because these are real actors playing, you know, playing these people and, and they emote in a certain way that a video game can, can never do. And, and I get what Nick is saying that in some ways this has exceeded the video game. And I think that the, the creators of the video game would be happy hearing that it just seems to have hit this new threshold in terms of like basically making the inner lives of these characters feel fully realized. And I, I sympathize for them and I feel emotions for them every time I tune in. And it's just an experience that I go through week after week, again, kind of going back to the idea of like reading the chapters of a book rather than just kind of binging it straight through. I think this is a show that just has exemplified the, the weekly release model um, in all of its, um, in all of its glory. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed Ken uh, episode six and I'm looking forward to breaking it down with you guys. So let's get to it. Um, so feel free to jump in whenever you want to, talk about anything interesting, but basically episode opens with our countryside grandma and grandpa who are uh, helping Joel identify where he exactly is in Wyoming. Not a too promising start to our heroes, Joel and Ellie, um, but at least they get you know their bearings. They get a free bowl of soup and then a stolen rabbit out of it. And as they're making their way across Wyoming towards, um, towards where... Uh, Joel's brother Tommy is supposedly located. Um, they come across what is nicknamed by uh, Ellie in a, in a kind of childlike way, the River of Death. Uh, they come across a dam, and we get sweeping vistas of beautiful Wyoming in the winter. And eventually, they come across a, a bandit group of horseback riders who surround Joel and Ellie. Everyone's kind of threatening each other. A dog is sniffing them for COVID. No, I mean, uh, the, uh, the fungus, uh, disease. And uh, basically they take them back into a commune in Jackson, Wyoming. And that's where Joel is reunited with his brother, Tommy and his, uh, new, uh, newly wedded wife, Maria, you know, Joel and Tommy basically have a reunion as brothers and, and Tommy reveals the fact that he is going to be an expecting father. Maria is pregnant with his first child. And in well, typical I think you should Joel also fashion, the fact that Joel realizes because he's like, this should just be a family moment. And then he's like, well, this is actually my wife. That's and right. That's, that's already, right. That's already kind of blow one for Joel. That right, Tommy right. has not only has he been living a life without him, but now he's living a family without him. And it's going to be later an expanded family without him. There, There is. Yeah. And, and that's something that I want to kind of discuss with everyone is like, there's that bitterness, maybe. Right. Or. Not bitterness, more so a disappointment in Joel, right? That Tommy has made 
this fully realized life for himself in Jackson. He has a wife, he has a kid on the way, he's contributing to a society that's rebuilding itself. And where did Jill come from? He, he came from a bombed out Boston with, um, with a hope and a prayer in Ellie, who's supposedly the, the cure for the entire world. And he comes across his younger brother who he expected to be down on his luck and turns out Tommy's thriving. I feel like for Joel, because uh, we talked earlier how Joel's love language is protection. Um, and I feel like for Joel, it was almost as a matter of as family, we protect one another. And as your big brother, out of love, like I protect you and that's how I love. And the fact that he doesn't need protection, uh, Joel's almost just like, this means you don't love me anymore. I'm supposed to be your protector. I'm supposed to protect you. And the fact that you now have this life kind of carved out for you kind of shows you don't love me. Uh, I, uh, it's hard to even say that because I feel like that's only half of it. I also feel like Joel's very big on family in general. And now Tommy's just like, well, I have family. And because Joel's like, well, what about me? Why'd you stop talking to me? I thought we were supposed to be family. You call this family, but I'm your real family, you know? And he finds out that it was Maria that was blocking him, blocking Tommy from reaching out to him through the radios. And and basically what that all comes to is a climactic scene between Joel and Tommy where Joel admits to him that Ellie is the cure. He's taking her to the Fireflies. And he's feeling frail like joel has multiple scenes throughout the episode where like he's having like a mini panic attack it seems like and again i think it's that fear you know of like disappointing those who are relying on him manifesting in physical form which i thought was a great way to show that his feelings for ellie are visibly evolving and his fears from the past you know buried deep over 20 years has is now you know resurfacing as well and and what that basically comes to is this moment where Joel tells Tommy, you need to take Ellie to the Fireflies. I can't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. And and uh, Tommy agrees to it. So from that scene, uh, we go to Ellie. You know, Ellie is kind of settling into town. Wait, and she's I, in... Yeah. I just say that now that I think about it, I feel like Tommy's a big jerk. Oh, yeah? You know, like... Yeah, I was saying that. Yeah, he's, he's like... He, he's a total jerk. You know, he... He didn't tell Joel that he was alive, first of all. You know, Joel's waiting on the radio night and day for to that for a song to play to make sure that his brother's alive. And yeah. then she, he could have just said, hey, I'm okay. I'm going to stay here. And then he gets there and he learns that his brother's married. He didn't mention it. And he's also having a kid, which he uses an excuse, as an excuse not to help Joel, right? And now that I think about it, it's just kind of like, it just feel, and he also told his wife that Joel's this because she's never met Maria's never met Joel mm. from what I can tell. He's told her that Joel's a horrible person, which she then conveys to Ellie. Mm. So it's like this is guilt. Tommy's kind of a Tommy's kind of a jerk. Now that I look at it in a different light, I don't want to be like, a... not, no. That's what I was trying to say before. Like I, I really think that Joel feels betrayed by him because he's realized my brother's. I, hates me <laughs> yeah it's like and it's justified too because joel's like risking his life to come and make sure his yeah. brother's all okay and he's kind of like he's almost like caught right he's like caught like oh crap my brother's here i've done yeah i haven't yeah. talked to you i've told everyone that you're a bad person like no yeah. wonder he says yes to joel it's like oh tommy's the kind of has to right? he's tommy's the good guy well and i don't want to be a bad guy but yeah. really in this scenario joel looks like the good guy 
I don't want to be a Tommy apologist, but for from his perspective, he just wants. It seems like he wants to move on, right? He's a he's the type of character. He's he's going to be a father, right? He's married to a woman who doesn't know anything about his past. I feel like there is some incentive there for him to want to keep his brother at an arm's length, or maybe more so, like a seven states long length. You know, <laughs> but but I, I've Steven, read it more Steven, as assuming that this world is a normal world. This is like the end of the world survivalist. You only have a couple people left, right? You're going to cut off your torso, you know. But like, it, it aren't the things that they did so horrific enough that like it still haunts them, right? To this day, I read it more as like Joe. John, uh, not Johnny. Hey, <laughs> I I read it more as. <laughs> I've read it more as Tommy kind of views their relationship as like a toxic relationship. And now that he's gotten some breathing room and what leads me to believe in that is that line when Joel's like, Hey, I did what we needed to do. So you survived. And he's like, and Tommy's like, but there were other ways and you just never tried the other ways. And now Tommy's gotten away from Joel Mm. and he's like, okay, now it's my time to, I don't want to say spread my wings or whatever. And now maybe kind of like a toxic family relationship. Like you love that family member, but you realize you're better off without them now. I agree with that, Dave. I it stings. And, and I, and I, and I believe in, in, you know, this like post-apocalyptic, like you only have a few people and that like, with, hurts. I think the point I'm, of, I'm, the, I think the point of introducing Sarah is to remind you that Tommy was around when Joel was at his lowest and grieving and hateful because he lost his daughter. Do you mean Maria? so? No, Tommy no, no. was around when Joel when lost Sarah his daughter, died. Okay. and so Joel was going through absolute self-protection mode, which is just like you know, don't get in my way. I'm going to survive. And Tommy, you know, it was his niece, but not his daughter, so it's not going to be the same, you know. And he got basically has that damage. But still, if you can get on the radio and tell someone that you owe a piece of your life to like, mm-hmm. Hey, yeah, I'm alive. Don't come out here, but you know, do your thing. You, you owe him that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to yeah. stick on it too long, but I just want to yeah. say like, I know it's a toxic relationship. Joel's obviously, you know, he's not, he's not a hero, right. but he still owes his life to Joel. Like without Joel, he probably wouldn't have survived. So where is the line drawn where you go? Yeah. Yes, he might not be a good person, but I, he, I at least owe him this, right? I at least owe him to say I'm not dead. Like his brother. Don't. F- yeah, but uh, where do you draw the are- line in terms of Tommy's just like, I can fend for myself. And Joel's like, no, I always need to look out for you. And now Tommy's kind of matured past the point where Joel could even realize uh, well he's kind here's of more the of a person than Joel could realize well so so that's where Joel departs right it's like yeah. he basically comes to Tommy is like I'm old I'm frail I'm not the guy who who could do the things that I've done with you in the past I'm passing the torch on to you you need to take Ellie to the fireflies right and so it's that moment where like it's a true moment of vulnerability right for Joel yeah. to be able to admit that to his younger brother and then he speaks, you know, he speaks about um, about disappointing his daughter again and again in his dreams and how yeah. every time he wakes up, he fails. And I think Oof. that was a really moving uh, and kind of character defining moment for him in this in this show is for him to kind of come to terms with that. I like your so, for that line, Stephen. 
when you what's were, that the line he says he was like when i wake up i feel like I've, I've lost something and i don't know exactly what it is but i know i failed and i loved your notes you were just like i'm so angry at about at how well written that is yeah yeah it's just like you know you kind of marvel at some of these lines and you're like damn it i wish i wrote that <laughs> um but that's one scene the second scene then is like a quick follow-up but before we get to ellie and joel coming to blows Ellie, the one, the two things I want to quickly talk about was that just beautiful but heartbreaking moment where Joel steps out from the bar after arguing with Tommy about, you know, his impending fatherhood, yeah. and he sees an older vision of Sarah with her hair, and just has this like flicker of hope in his eyes, and then, you know, sees this young lady who looks like his daughter approach a child. Again, presumably Sarah's younger kid, if she had still been alive, and then she turns around and Joel sees it's not Sarah. And it's just like the show does such a good job of like depicting these wants and needs and desires and heartbreak in just these quick 10, 15 second snippets. And I just love that they commit themselves to 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 those moments because it, it builds so much, you know, about these characters moving forward. Um and then the other scene is Ellie, you know, munching on some popcorn, watching movies. She's kind of living the life in Jackson. She got a haircut. Um, she, she got gifted a, a menstrual cup. Um, we'll just leave it at that. Um, and she, I think there's something eggplant to be said about. Coat. Oh, yeah. And the purple coat, the eggplant. <laughs> or what is purple he coat. The su- it's super fucking purple. Super fucking eggplant purple. Yeah. Um, and. And I, I think there's something to be said about Ellie's character, you know, watching movies, reading comic books, talking about Sally Field and how that's the coolest astronaut name ever. Sally Ride. And it's, oh yeah, Sally, Sally Field. Field. <laughs> Sally Field's a great Delicious actress. Pie. Sally Field's a great actress. And I, I don't know, yeah. Field. Um, but uh, Sally Ride, yeah. And I think um, there is something that the show is hinting at about like the, the, the role of art in society and how society even as it's rebuilding itself will grasp its grasp back towards the things that made it feel meaningful and like ellie with the comic mm-hmm. books and the astronauts and the movies and and the pop culture references and even later on in the episode when joel is explaining football to her is like you know she's grasping back towards a past that had completely eluded her as a result of this mm-hmm. global pandemic but you know she's a character setting forth into the future and into an unknown future. I think that that is another kind of beautiful juxtaposition that the show is kind of subtly hinting at. It's not making it a making a point or anything. I just wanted to kind of point it out and observe. So beyond that, Joel and Ellie finally come to blows in that scene where Ellie has eavesdropped on Tommy's Tommy's conversation with Joel. And she says, you're trying to leave me and kind of Joel delivers yeah, it's a scene literally plucked straight out of the game. Um, I ain't daddy. And yeah, he delivers that iconic line, you're not, you aren't my daughter and I ain't your father. And we're going to go our separate ways uh, the next day. Ellie's going to go with Tommy mm-hmm. down to um, the university and Joel is going to go wherever he goes. Probably a sheep farm, like he said. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think that scene was just played so beautifully. And again, for the gamers that was ripped straight from the video game for the non-gamers, like, um, yeah, 
any thoughts about that scene in particular? The one thing I'd like to mention about that scene before they come to blows, um, I really appreciate the dichotomy. Like you can really see that when they get into Jackson, when Ellie is taken away from Joel, Ellie is very reserved. She's very quiet. She's very suspicious as opposed to when she's with Joel, she's very talkative, very lively. You know, she's more herself, Mm -hmm. which lends credit to how she tells him without you, I'm just going to be more scared and I'm not going to know what to do if you leave me. And Joel even is, you know, I guess a bit more quick-witted and like, you know, he's keeping eyes on her. He's, he's kind of really being a dad again, as opposed to when he's apart. Now he's just this bitter old man who's just looking back to his past. Um, so like, it really shows you their reliance on one another, even if at that point they don't realize it, even, or at least up to the conversation he has with Tommy, you really see their reliance on one another and the influence they have on each other and in their lives up to this point. Just because when they do get to that point, you're just like, oh, like, you know, you can see them kind of finally coming together. But then they have that moment where they just inevitably end up breaking apart because Ellie's just like, I want to be treated like a person. And Joel's just like, no, you're not a person to me just yet. Or he is. She is. But he just can't bear to make that realization yet. You can't bear to make that commitment to her. Yeah. Yeah. I think what's so interesting about that confrontation is. You're getting the two characters, one character whose life has been defined and molded by loss, Joel, right? And a character who, despite of loss, is like fighting and surviving and wanting to carve out a place for herself in this world and like figure out what living is like, Ellie. And I really liked that line that they like, you don't know what I hated that line. Like you yeah. never, you never like lost anybody. Like, and she's like, "What do you mean? Yeah, everyone I've ever cared for is either dead or abandoned me." Yeah, and you could just see like Joel just. I, I, it was just a. It was it was heartbreaking. Right, because it burns at you. It burns at you because you, yeah, because you you know that she doesn't have parents. Like, yeah. it, it's a line that burns you because it's like, and that's what I mean by hate. Like, yeah. It's just like it was cruel. He was invalidating, was yeah, cruel, her entire but... her entire life, basically. Right. So. He invalidated her, but it was almost for to him. It was for the greater good because he was like, "Yeah, I'm going to be one of those people who abandon you, but it's because I care about you that I'm abandoning you. I'm I'm giving you up because you can do better without me." Do you mm-hmm. think that was a similar conversation that he had with Tommy, and that's why Tommy left originally, or why does Tommy leave originally? No, they they had philosophical differences. Yeah. He goes with the fireflies. Oh, that's right. He goes with the fireflies. Right. I feel like I feel like Joel, sorry, Joel. Joel was weaponizing his privilege. So oh, there, he goes. <laughs> he was weaponizing wanted, there we go again. The reason why the line "You're not my daughter" and "I'm sure ain't your daddy" is so interesting to me is because they are that. Like they've basically yeah. become that. It's like Joel has become his father, and he know he has become her father, and he knows it, and she. Sorry, Ellie has become her father's daughter, <laughs> his daughter, and he knows it. And Joel knows that 
I've, I've, I've screwed. And Joel has become her father, and Ellie knows it. They know that they have become those they roles, know that and there's no going father. <laughs> they are each other's. You know why? Yeah, no. What I'm trying to say is <laughs> he made, says that made. line, even though it's the exact opposite truth, and that both yeah. terrifies them. Yeah, he's terrified right. of the of a Sarah happening again, so that's why he's saying, "You're, I'm not your father," and she's terrified of someone leaving her, like her father. So, and you are my father. They're basically saying we have become those roles and there's no turning back now, yeah. but they're upset at it. Right. Because there's the stakes have gone from here to here because of that. If you care about someone, it's almost worse for you in this world. Right. I feel like on top of that, like he says that because to him, he's like, when he says that, that's like a clean cut to those line, like to those bonds. He's like, this is how I have to cut the cord. Like, clean this is a clean cut the moment you say that like that's the end of the relationship well you know it turns out joel changes his mind the next morning right he uh he he had to think on it and uh he's like hey if you want to go with tommy and ellie's like no i I choose you so let's go i can't throws her bag at him and she's like let's go yeah i love how he like non-committally he's like well i was getting ready to steal the horse and you know 30 minutes later i'm still here so right like he wasn't just dragging his ass waiting for them to come into the stable like he couldn't admit it yeah so he he, they're they're making their way down to the university and uh they make it to the supposed fireflies base uh fireflies base at the school and they find out that it's empty they've left abandoned the facilities and their new base of operations is set up in what seems to be salt lake city um before you go further i think you're remiss to say you're it would be remiss to not mention the fact that like the moment they leave is like that's like their true like father daughter bonding time like he's teaching her how to shoot he's telling her about football like they're they mm-hmm. finally committed they finally let go of all the baggage and they finally committed to this relationship now like he's her dad that's his daughter and this is who they are and how things are going to be now. Like they have finally accepted the relationship that, that has been growing. That's no longer a struggle for them now. It's a bookend. It's bookended by Ellie hugging Joel and pressing her face against his back. Well, I think that yeah, one to, scene stands out for me. To personally. rely on each other. They have to forgive each other. Right. Yeah. yeah. And even like how Joel now he's opening up to her because now he's telling her about his past, how he's like, yeah, I used to be a contractor back mm-hmm. in the day. With the and best like, line, the best line Everybody of the entire episode. Everybody Everybody loves loves <laughs> that is some epic revisionist history right there, Joel. Yeah. So, um, anyways, they're at the fast forward a little bit. They're at the facilities again. No fireflies. Uh, they decide to leave. Raiders show up. They get into a fight with Joel. Uh, Joel takes them out. They, Ellie and Joel successfully ride off on horseback. However, Joel is stabbed in the uh, encounter. Mm. And the episode mm. ends with him falling off of his horse in the middle of a winter. And Ellie um, kind of telling an unconscious Joel or dead Joel, uh, saying that um, she can't do this alone. And the episode basically leaves us on a cliffhanger. So Cliff, cliff. Yeah. Episode six. You know, in the books, we look ahead to next week. Let's go to conspiracy theories. Obvious question to ask here, Johnny and Dave. Is Joel dead or alive? Can I go first this time? Yeah, go for it. I want to do an interpretation of David. How will she survive? Well, how how will something happen? (laughs) Do you think they're going to have enough story to fit? You think the they could actually do know. something with this? Where are we going to end up? <laughs> I don't point. know. <laughs> <laughs> I think, so I, my theory is um, 
you know, my theory is that Tommy, out of guilt, quickly followed them as they left to be part of them and has tracked them and is going to help Ellie. That's my guess right now. And uh, rescue Joel within a, a, a fraction of his life. And they're going to recover or something. Or maybe not recover, but at least escape danger in the next episode and uh, be on to the next adventure, whether that's Raider Infectious. I don't know. but That's that's right. my guess how they solve the cliffhanger. And I think it's going right. to be pretty quick. I think it's going to be like Tommy shows up at the beginning of the episode. But okay. I guess. So, so they'll 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 make a quick and dirty solution to but a you know what? problem. Maybe he's dead. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Dave? Yeah, uh, it's funny because I was... When you left earlier, Johnny, before we started recording, that was actually my theory, too, I think. Oh, convenient. <laughs> it's very convenient. <laughs> very it's convenient, convenient that you weren't here to, to hear it. But I have my other three Classic. best friends to uh, corroborate. Where they're recording. Yeah, I, think the, I think the Hollywood ending, which would be, like, I think satisfactory, but uh, I don't know how powerful it would be. Like, Tommy's guilt-ridden, and he comes, and he saves them at, like, the, you know, 11th hour. But what I think what else could happen is Ellie has to leave. Like, Joel's thinks he's dead. And maybe the Raiders are like something, like an infected or something. So she has to hop on the horse, books it out of there, doesn't know where she's going. And then maybe like the last scene of the last episode, we see Joel's boots. And it's like, oh, he was rescued by someone. Like, and we don't know why. I want you to commit commit because now you just flip-flop theories. David, what did you say last week? What was your conspiracy theory last week? Just continuity sake. We'll have to. We'll have to look at the tapes again. But anyways, I think you said that Joel's going to die. I think that was something like natural event. Yeah, like natural events, like switching the roles. Yeah. I mean, they they could do an episode where like. So you're saying that's still going to happen, like switching the roles, like Ellie rides off on the horse and. Like could be and and um, I mean I guess a third option is somehow she gets him up on that horse and gets out of there and like. Well, Dave, when you when you say every theory, you really give me correct. I don't know. He's like, <laughs> he's literally like, going, David. Keep going. He's literally like mind. Doctor Strange and Endgame. I, like I've looked through seventeen million possibilities, and this is the one where what Joel I will, goes back on the horse. What I what I will say is I'm confident of Ellie as a main character and I'm glad that they put in the scene at the cave in the beginning of the episode when Joel's like why don't you wake me up and she's like I checked my six got the high ground and she's like listing off all these things that she has like gleaned from him he's never taught her any of this but just by spending time with her and I think that was the writer's way of saying like she is a competent character she is a competent lead she has the abilities and the skills to survive in this world. So if the main like scope is hers, if she becomes our POV for the next three episodes, she is a capable character. She might be frightened and afraid and a 14 year old kid in the middle of the apocalypse or post-apocalypse, but she's capable. So, so let's, let's, uh, let's close this out. Another, you know, that's episode six. We've, you know, kind of discussed it, broke it down for you guys. I want to thank my hosts, everyone except Johnny, who has decided to leave the building. He's abandoned us. Um, everyone I know abandons me. <laughs> we look forward to reviewing episode seven with you guys next week. That being said, 
shout out to Nick, our host, who is getting married this weekend, and we will all be together partying it up with him. Um, so congrats to him and his um, his wife. And uh, we will be back at it for you guys after the wedding festivities. Um, and we'll see you next week for episode seven. So thanks for tuning into Spooky Screen. Probably see you guys in two weeks. Peace. Bye.